You know, I'm, I'm Leo. I'm the youth pastor. Um, I'm usually there in the back uh, with the teens that are awesome youth room um, filled with donuts. If you guys like a donut, feel free to go back there and grab one. Just also fill out a volunteer um, application. Uh, but um, yeah, I love being a youth pastor. Um, I think that we have the most fun in the whole church and we have the most fun room in the whole church. But, um, but I'm glad to be here to, today speaking to you adults. You guys are fun too, right? Yeah, were you guys laughing at my jokes? Please? Okay, thank you. <laughs> Teens don't laugh either, but um, I tried. Um, yeah, welcome. Very glad you guys are here. Um, I'm originally from Brazil, for those of you who don't know. So um, when today, when the weather is so beautiful, and compared to how the weather is not always so beautiful here in Minnesota, you know, I thank you for being inside right now. <laughs> you know, like I know the temptation just to be outside doing stuff out there. So thank you for being in here. And I want to go out there as soon as possible. So today uh, we're going to have some fun and then we're going to go. Sounds good? Cool. Uh, we are in a series called um, Summer of the Spirits, where we're studying the Holy Spirit. We're kind of taking a tour of the Holy Spirit throughout the scriptures. We have done the Old Testament for, um, for a few weeks now, and today we are arriving in the book of John when Jesus um, teaches us about the Holy Spirit, and we're excited um, to talk about that. Uh, we're going to look at the scriptures, and we're going to look at Jesus and, and the Holy Spirit in their life. And also, at the end of the service, this one is for free, a bonus. I'm going to give you my favorite prayer of all time. I'm going to give you, for those of you note takers, it's going to be an acronym. Okay, that's a big word for Brazilians. It's going to be an acronym that, uh, that can help you with your prayer life. So get your phones ready, get your pen and paper ready, because um, at the end of this message, there's going to be some stuff for you to write down, if you like. You don't have to, but just, it'll be cool. Y'all ready? Let me pray. We're going to get started. Jesus, we love you. Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. Thank you for your presence. God, I pray that today you would speak to us. Let your word be made alive today. Holy Spirit, come in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. So if you got a Bible or your electronic device, please turn to John 14. The title of the message is Holy Spirit is our helper. But before we get there, all the context in John 14, um, this is Jesus right before he goes to the garden and is betrayed by Judas, arrested, tried, Put on a cross. You guys know the story, right? Spoiler alert. He comes back from the dead three days later. You guys know the story? Yes, you do. Good. This is Jesus right before then. This is right after the Last Supper. Do you guys remember the picture of the Last Supper? Jesus and his disciples all sitting on the same side of the table. You know? <laughs> um, that's him. This is right after that. So this is, imagine, um, if you know that you weren't going to be around for that much longer, if you, if you knew that you had to move to Alaska and you're hanging out with your best friends, like that last meal, that last conversation, you probably wouldn't want to waste time talking about the weather, right? No, you want to go like, this is, I'm going to tell you guys the most important things that you need to know. This is Jesus. This is where he gets at. And, um, and I believe that this section here in scripture, John 14 specifically, um, could be titled, um, Jesus says things that makes the disciples go, huh? <laughs> it could be titled, Jesus says things that make the disciples go, what? Like, it's just like you can see, you can see their wheels turning. They don't get it. They're not getting it right away. So um, let's dive in. John 14, verse 1 says this, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If you were not so, 
would I have, have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go to, and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And you know where I'm going, right? This is what Jesus says. He's talking about the Father's house, and he's going to prepare a place for us. You guys know where I'm going, right? Then Thomas, good old Thomas, says, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? He's like, Jesus is saying something clearly. He's like, nope, nope, time out, Jesus. We actually don't know where you're going. Jesus continues. I was like, okay, let me help you guys out. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. And from now on, you do know him and have seen him. Then Philip, another disciple, very smart, dedicated disciple who's been with Jesus for three years plus, Philip says, Lord, show us the Father and it is enough for us. And Jesus is like, I can see just like, ah, you guys are not getting it. I just said that me and the Father are one. I'm going to the Father. Okay, so he continues. He's like, I'm going to help you out. You know, and listen to the frustration in Jesus' voice. I love this. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and you still don't know me, Philip? I mean, come on, man. What else do I got to do? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his work. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or, or else believe on the accounts of the works themselves. And I could just see Jesus saying this, and the disciples were kind of like, uh, <laughs> you know, there's, there's a disconnect there. And Jesus continues, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me, will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he, will he do. Because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do. And the Father, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in, your, in my name, I will do it. And I could just see the disciples going, wait, time outs. Did you just say that we are going to do the same stuff that you're doing? And even greater works? That's impossible. Because Jesus, you're, you're like the guy that um, walked on water. Are we going to walk on water? Jesus, you're the guy who multiplies food. I've been trying to do that and it hasn't been working now. You say we're going to be able to multiply even more food? What do you, like, you know, like, I can just see their, their wheels spinning. Like, no, like, Jesus, you're saying some really crazy stuff. And then Jesus adds, Jesus can see their frustration. He's like, okay, I got it. Verse 16. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. He's saying these things, and he's like, y'all need help. <laughs> you guys are not understanding this, so I'm going to send you a helper. Verse 25, these things I have spoken to you while I'm still with you. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. So Jesus is kind of saying, guys, these words that I'm, that I'm speaking to you right now, I can see that you're having a hard time understanding and believing, but it's okay. I'm going to give you help. 
I'm going to send you a helper. And his name is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. God, the Holy Spirit. The third person from the Trinity. I'm going to give you God to help you. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit to be your helper. And the Holy Spirit will bring to remembrance all these things that I'm saying to you that you're not getting right now. The Holy Spirit is going to help you out. I'm going to give you a helper. The Holy Spirit is that helper. The Holy Spirit is our helper. And he's a gift from God. This is God that gets to be with us forever. Let's fast forward again to John um, 16. Um, Jesus is going to say another thing that probably made the disciples go, huh? Okay, check it out. Uh, John 16, verse 7. Jesus says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So Jesus says, guys, it's better that I go away. And if I was one of the disciples, I was like, no, I'm sorry, Jesus, but I disagree strongly. It's better if you stay here forever. Like, we want to go and make you king right now. Like, you running this place would be better than anybody else. We want you here. We do not want you to go. I don't know what you're talking about, but I need you here. I want you here but Jesus says, it's better that I go, because if I go, I'll, I can send a helper for you. And right now, when I'm here on this earth, I'm limited to one location at a time. But if I go to my Father, I'll send the Holy Spirit, and he could be with you, and you, and you, everywhere. If I go, I can send the helper, and he will be with you forever. He'll be with you everywhere. He continues, this is Jesus speaking about the Holy Spirit. He says, and when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. I, have st I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them right now. And when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me. For he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that, all that the Father has is mine. Therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So now Jesus is describing the work of the Holy Spirit. He's going to come to convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment to come. He'll declare the things of Jesus. He'll glorify him. He'll bring to remembrance all that Jesus has said. This is the work of the Holy Spirit in the world, and this is the work of the Holy Spirit in us. And, um, and real quick, when he says um, the Holy Spirit is going to convict the world of sin and righteousness, um, if you want to listen to a great message about sin and righteousness, I encourage you, go back and re-listen to Cassie's sermon from last week. Our kids pastor, Cassie, she spoke last week, and she did a phenomenal job. It's one of those messages that I'm going to have to listen to over and over again. She did a great job, so I encourage you, go mercyvineyard.org or go on a podcast app and look for last week's sermon because it was legit. She did an amazing job. Shout out to Cassie. So Jesus is saying that he's going to send us the Holy Spirit. And um, the question is, why does Jesus call the Holy Spirit the helper? Out of all the names that Jesus could have called the Holy Spirit, the, the, why did he choose the word helper? 
You know, we can get very deep and think about how, like, you know, Genesis uh, chapter, th- chapter, you know, 2, we see, you know, God created, you know, male and female, then he sees the man is alone. He's like, hey, you know what, I'm going to send, I'm going to give him a helper. Everybody has a helper. I'm going I'm to give them a helper, you know, and it could go there and it's like, oh, how we're meant to live in relationship and, and God has given, you know, us uh, a helper, the Holy Spirit to be in relationship with us. And we could go, we could go very, very deep with that. But I think simply Jesus called the Holy Spirit the helper. Because we need help. Like, we need help. So he called the Holy Spirit the helper, saying, hey, I know what you guys need, and I'm going to give it to you. Help. You're going to need help, and I'm going to give you help. That help is the Holy Spirit, and we all need it. And check it out. I think that Jesus knew that we would need help because guess what? Jesus also became a human. Jesus became a man, and Jesus lived his life as a man, and I believe that Jesus also needed, Jesus relied on the Holy Spirit to be who he was. Jesus knows that we, Jesus knew that we would need help because he needed help himself. Let's check it out. Let's, let's go to Philippians chapter 2. Um, it's one of the most, you know, fantastic chapters in the whole Bible. This is speaking about Jesus. It says this, Have this mind among yourselves, which is, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. The magnitude of what's being stated here in this verse is, is, is phenomenal. Paul is saying that Jesus, though he was God, though he was in the form of God, emptied himself out. He emptied himself out and he became a human. He became a real man. Actually, before he was a man, he became a baby. Like, right? Like he, Jesus needed his diapers changed at one point. Right? Jesus grew up as a toddler. Jesus became a kid. He became a teenager. Then he became a man before he died in his 30s. Like Jesus submitted himself to the human process. He emptied himself out of his God powers. A very cheesy youth pastor way to look at this, because I'm a youth pastor, is like, it's like remember uh, the movie Black Panther, right? You know, when Black Panther, you know, he has to like drink that potion to get rid of his Black Pantherness, you know, so he can fight the challenger, you know, they can fight like man to man, like hand to hand, right? Like he has to empty himself out so he can be equal to another human so they can fight to see who's going to be king. That's a very cheesy way to say this is what Jesus did. Except Jesus was way more awesome because he got rid of his God powers to be like me and you. He got rid of his God powers to be a human, to engage with the full human experience. Hebrews, it talks about how Jesus became a man because he wanted to be our brother, acquainted with our grief, that he can know our suffering, that he can know what it's like to be a human. Hebrews 4, it talks about how we do not have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with our weakness, but we have one who was tempted in every way, just like we are, yet without sin. Jesus submitted himself to becoming a human and going through life as a real human. And I believe that he, while doing that, he welcomed the Holy Spirit to help him do what he does. If you think about it, there's a scene in the, in the Gospels, there's a scene that's, 
that, that kind of changed everything. There's one moment that kind of changed everything. Um, some of you guys may know, and I think I, I found somebody drew a picture of it. They, he was there, he saw it, so he drew it. Can, can we show that picture? There it is, right? This is an eyewitness account. Oh, the baptism of Jesus. The baptism of Jesus is a scene that changed everything, right? Before the baptism of Jesus, what do we know about him? Okay, we know this. We know that he was sinless, right? So he, like, did all his kid years and teenage years without sinning. That's a miracle in itself, right? You know, I have a three-and-a-half-year-old. My little boy is not sinless. <laughs> you know, like, that dude lies. That dude is angry. Um, you know, Jesus, Jesus was a baby and yet without sin. Unbelievable. <laughs> you know, that's all. So we know this about Jesus. He was sinless, right, pre-baptism. He was sinless. We know that he was really smart, Right, there's, there's, you know, this passage talks about him going to the temple and just like chatting it up with the scholars and the Pharisees and Sadducees, just, he's just like talking as a, you know, 10 year old. And we also know that he ran away from his parents, right? <laughs> That's what we know about Jesus, pre-baptism. After baptism, Jesus goes viral. You know, like that's when like all of the miracles, all of the stuff, all of the preaching, everything starts happening after the baptism of Jesus. That's when his like, you know, his highlight, his mixtape gets passed out all over social media. And people are like, well, have you seen this Jesus guy? Like this dude, and look up the stats that he's putting up. Like he's amazing. You know, this all happens after the baptism of Jesus. And there was something very significant in it, right? When Jesus goes to get baptized, he sees his cousin, John the Baptist, and John the Baptist is like, hey, I'm not worthy enough to baptize you. And Jesus is like, nope, you got to do it, man. He's like, okay, cool. Dunks Jesus, when he lifts him up, the heavens open. God the Father starts going like, you know, dad watching his son play basketball. He said, that's my boy, yeah. You know, God says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. He says it out loud so that everyone could hear, right? And then we see this picture of the Holy Spirit descending on Jesus like a dove. We see a picture of the Holy Spirit descending on Jesus like a dove. And from that moment on, Everywhere that Jesus went, amazing things happened. And amazing things followed him. We see Jesus go from there to go to a wedding, turn water into wine. We see him start healing the sick, raising the dead, multiplying food, walking on water, raising the dead, like everything. And Jesus goes viral from that point on. And it leads me to believe that the difference in it was the Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit descended on Jesus and said, okay, now it's time. Let's do work. Jesus needed the Holy Spirit. Or maybe Jesus just welcomed the Holy Spirit and said, hey, I empty myself out of my God powers, and I'm inviting the Holy Spirit to help me do a ministry because I know that my friends who are to come, they're going to need the help of the Holy Spirit to do the works that I'm doing. They're going to need the help of the Holy Spirit to be like me, to be my disciples, to follow me. And we actually get the whole book, the Acts of the Apostles, the Acts of the Holy Spirit. We get a whole book about what it looks like when, when the disciples of Jesus, when normal humans get filled with the Holy Spirit and start living like Jesus. We get a whole book about that. So Jesus says, I'm sending you a helper. And I think the question is this, right? If Jesus needed the Holy Spirit, how much more do we? 
Let's be honest. If Jesus himself welcomed and needed and relied on the Holy Spirit to do what he does, how much more do me and you? I mean, we're cool, but we're not that cool. (laughs) You know, like we're smart, but we're not that smart. You know, we're good people, but we're not that good. We got Jesus, the Son of God, sinless life, knows everything about everything. And Jesus says, Holy Spirit, come. If Jesus needed the Holy Spirit, how much more do we? So Jesus sends us the helper. Jesus sends us the Holy Spirit. So right now, the Holy Spirit in us, how do we engage? How do we connect? How do we walk with this Holy Spirit, with this helper that Jesus has sent to us? How do we, how do we make that connection? He is the helper. How can we access that help? Well, first off, I believe that Holy Spirit is working whether we uh, are aware of him or not. I believe the Holy Spirit is helping through whether, whether we know it or not, whether we believe it or not, whether we acknowledge him or not, he's still working. Have you guys ever like stopped and thought to yourself like, wait a second, how did I end up here? And you start connecting the dots and you realize that God has been at work in your life for a very, very, very long time. You know, that happens to me quite often. I'm like, wait a second. Brazilian dude from a rough side of town, divorced parents. Now I'm a pastor in Minneapolis, Minnesota. What? Like, how do I get here? No, it was God, it was the Holy Spirit helping and, and connecting the dots and moving in mysterious ways. And I believe that He's at work in all of your lives, whether you know it or not. The Holy Spirit is helping you. But the question is, If God is really with you, if the Holy Spirit is really with you, how can you connect? How can you build a relationship with that God? Because our faith is more than words. Our faith is more than just showing up at a church. Our faith is about to be a relationship. It's supposed to be something day day by day that, that that is more than just religious activity. It's supposed to be a relationship. Now, for all of you married folks or people in a relationship here in this room, uh, what's a key to a good relationship? Communication. Talking, long talks. My wife loves just sitting down and talking for a long time, and I like doing things. I'm like, okay, can we talk about, like, I don't know, riding a bike or something? Can we talk about doing something else? Can we, you know, like, you know, but communication is key. Right? Communication is key to a good relationship. So how do we communicate with God, the Holy Spirit, who's our helper, who's with us all the time? I believe prayer. Prayer. Prayer is more than just something we do before every meal or before we go to bed. Prayer is supposed to be a daily, ongoing conversation, a daily, ongoing relationship with God. And we can talk to him like we talk to a friend. You don't have to have all the right words. You don't got to pray in a King James language. It could be as personal as it is with you talking to a friend. And I believe that we're supposed to have that relationship with Holy Spirit, the helper. Let me give you guys a little bit of a backstory into my life. Um, I, I love prayer. My life got marked by prayer. I actually, I was uh, pretty rebellious in my teenage years. But my mom just kept bringing me to church, bringing me to church. And she brought me to this one church when I was 18, 19 years old after high school. 
where one Brazilian guy, he was a youth leader, he decided to pray for me for 40 days, praying fast for me, that God would move in my life, and God answered his prayers, and at the end of those 40 days, there was a retreat, he made me go, I met there, met Jesus. So prayer marked my life from the start, and, and ever since then, I, just pray, I knew that prayer was a significant part of my life. I went to a school in Kansas City at, at this ministry called the International House of Prayer. You know, and that's where I did my Bible school. I met my wife there. So um, now I, I have a degree in prayer. I don't know what it means, <laughs> you know, but uh, it got me this job. So that worked, woohoo, you know, but, uh, but, but I went to school called International House of Prayer. And, um, and, and there, part of the curriculum, part of your grade um, was spending 24 hours a week in a prayer room. At IHOP, they have this big prayer ministry where they have worship and prayer going on 24-7, nonstop, with the worship team on stage and people in the sits praying. Um, they go 24-7, nonstop, since 1999. So it's crazy, right? And so they need people to fill that room. Guess what? Students, you got to go spend 24 hours in that room. <laughs> you know, 24 hours a week in that prayer room. It's a lot of hours. And you can go there and you can, like, do your homework there. You can study there. You can write papers there, you know, and, you know, just, just be in that room. Sing and worship and pray and all of that, but, but just be in that room. That was very hard. <laughs> do that for four years for me, 24 hours a week for four years. That was very difficult for me, not because I don't like prayer, but because I like doing everything else so much. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm an Enneagram 7, for those of you guys who know what it means, and like sitting still when thinking about my life, and that, that's the hardest thing in the world. I want to go talk to people. I want to go do things. And I'm like, wait a second, you got to spend 24 hours a week in a prayer room, even during basketball season? Like, <laughs> you know, like, it just, it was very difficult for me. And there was a coffee shop right next door to the prayer room. I spent a lot of time in that coffee shop. I'll go there, I'll sit down, write my name, get, get out, go to the coffee shop, go talk to people. You know, and then I'll, I'll do that until people didn't want to talk to me anymore. I ran out of people to talk to. You know, and then eventually, you know, out of those four hours a day, give or take some, you know, like eventually we get to the point where I actually got to sit down and pray. Sometimes it was good, but a lot of times it was hard. And it was during that season that I developed my favorite prayer ever. Help! Help, God, help! Holy Spirit, help me! I'm so bored. I made this room. I got to be here for like... Three and a half, four hours. What am I doing? God, I got my help with my homework. God, this girl that I like doesn't like me. God, you know, like everything. I would just cry out to God, help, help, help. And uh, it became my favorite prayer ever. <laughs> and thankfully, we have the Holy Spirit to help us. We have the Holy Spirit to help us. Eventually, actually, real quick. Let me backtrack. I found this meme, because I'm a youth pastor, so part of my job is trying to find funny memes to show teenagers, right? So I found this meme that I think, like, exemplifies, you know, a life without the Holy Spirit. All right, check, check out this picture real quick. Check it out. When the Holy Spirit has given you everything you need to succeed, but you still try to do it alone. <laughs> it's a guy blocking his eyes from the sun with the backwards cap on and sunglasses sat around his collar, you know? That was me in a prayer room, trying to do the prayer room without the Holy Spirit. And like, I got like all these things available to me, but I'm still trying to do it on my own. It doesn't work. Like, I need a help. This is us trying to do life on our own without the Holy Spirit when he's fully available. But we're like, nah, I, I'm smart enough. I'm cool enough. I can do this. 
you end up looking like that guy, you know? So help became my favorite prayer, um, became my go-to prayer during that time um, in Kansas City, and it still is, you know, my biggest prayer right now as a dad of a three-and-a-half-year-old and with the new baby girl coming on the way, could be here at any minutes, you know? I might have to, like, run off the stage real quick if my wife gives me the signal, okay? But uh, so I need a lot of help right now. Also during that time at IHOP, um, International House of Prayer, um, they really like acronyms there. Like, right, the International House of Prayer, they call it IHOP. Well, actually, now they got to call it IHOP KC because IHOP Pancakes sued them, you know? <laughs> yeah, they did. True story. They did. Yeah, so, so now every time we refer to it's International House of Prayer, you got to call it IHOP KC so there's no confusion with the pancakes. So they like their acronyms there, and they have a bunch of acronyms to help you remember how to, like, read the Bible, and they're all about their acronyms there, shortening things so that you can remember them, right? And they, they, they can't remember any of the ones they said. You know, it's like, you know what? I'm going to make my own. Based on my favorite prayer. You guys ready? Here's my acronym. HELP. H-E-L-P. Now's the time. If you want to take notes, if you want to write down my little secret acronym that helps me to pray, this is the time. Are you guys ready? We're going to go into my H-E-L-P. Holy Spirit, help me. It's a chance. H-E-L-P. Holy Spirit, help me. Prayers. You guys ready? <laughs> Intern Roz came up with that chant for me. Okay, so this is... This is what I will do. Eventually, I got, as I got better at being in the prayer room, I made this acronym to help me pray. It was Holy Spirit, help me prayers. So I'll begin everything by like I'll go out and I'll sit down. All right, I'll go sit down in the chair. And I'm like, okay, Holy Spirit, help me with H, holiness. Help me with holiness. Help me to be like Jesus. And I'll pray that and I'll ask for the Holy Spirit to help me. Now, real quick, when we talk about holiness, for some of you are kind of like, yeah, holiness, woo. But for some of you, I can see you're cringing because that word holiness kind of carries some negative connotations, right? Holiness could be, maybe you came from a very um, legalistic background, church background in, in holiness. You know, you associate that with condemnation, you associate that with judging yourself and kind of making rules about the rules and living under shame and guilt. And I don't, I don't, I don't buy that. I don't believe that holiness is supposed to be about that. Holiness is not about legalism. Holiness is not meant to put you in a box. Holiness is meant to set you free. So when I talk about holiness, I'm not talking about legalism. Also, when I talk about holiness, I'm not talking about being holier than thou. You guys know those people? I was like, oh, you watch television? I only read the Bible and pray and meditate all day long. You know? Oh, you listen to non-Christian music? Now, I'm not talking about that. That's not what holiness is. Holiness is not about looking at other people's stuff, other people's sins, to try to make yourself feel better about your own life. That's not what, hol that's not what holiness is about. Holiness, I believe, is about being like Jesus, having Jesus be the goal, and you want to be like that man because you love him, because he's awesome, because he's the greatest man that's ever lived, and you want to be like him. Holiness is about saying no to sin and yes to God because you know that that is actually the true way for freedom. I work with teenagers, and speaking to teenagers about holiness, it's really hard. But what I, what I try to sell them on is that this, is that holiness is actually is the way to joy. Because right now, we got a generation of teens that walk around with anxiety, with guilt, with regrets, with shame. And, and usually the way to those things is sin. 
You end up getting caught up in sin. Now you are ashamed. Now you have regrets. Now this and that. And that kills your joy. The way to be truly alive, the way to be truly free is by having nothing to worry about. Like, now I'm good. I'm free. Hebrews 12 says, you know, let, therefore let us, you know, lay down. Let us, you know, get rid of all the sin that so eagerly entangles us. Let, let us run the race with endurance. Holiness is a way to freedom. Holiness is a way to joy. I got a verse here. Check it out. Next slide. The verse. Verse. Slide. There it is. Second Timothy. For God save us and called us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserve it, but because that was his plan from before the beginning of time to show his grace to Christ Jesus. God saved us and called us to live a holy life and has given us grace. That's a gift from him. And he decided to show that since the beginning, before the world was born, he's like, no, I'm gonna, I want to help them. I want to help them be like me. I want them to live free from sin. Um, little side note. I was thinking about this this past couple weeks as I'm preparing to speak. There's a band that I really love. Um, it's a musician named Ben Harper. Some of you guys may know him. Some of you may not. I love Ben Harper's music. He's coming to town in a couple weeks. I really want to go see him. But um, he, he travels with the band. He records albums with this band called The Innocent Criminals. And I've always noticed that um, the, some of the themes in his music are, are, very, are, are very spiritual, very religious. And it was like, I mean, like they got to know something about the Bible because of the, 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 the songs that they're singing, their lyrics. And then one day I was thinking about that name, the band name, Innocent Criminals. And I'm like, wow, that's us. That's the gospel. That's, that's what Jesus did for us. Because the truth is, we all are guilty. We all fall short of the glory of God. We all are criminals. But Jesus has made us innocent. We're the innocent criminals. And that was like, I, 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 I thought about it. I was like, oh, this is good news. I like them even more now. We're innocent criminals. You know, Jesus has made us, he, Jesus took away our debt. And I was thinking about it even more. And I, and, I, and I came up with this like scenario in my head to try to explain this, specifically to teenagers. But you guys are cool too. You can understand it, right? And actually, check it out. I want you to look at this girl over here. There, there's this, this girl goes to a museum, and, um, and she's going to take a selfie at a museum, and there's like this bunch of like very expensive art set up in pillars, and she tries to take a selfie, and she ends up knocking over everything and causing $200,000 worth of damage by taking a selfie. You know, actually, we got video of the thing. Let's show, show the video. Check it out. Check it out. This is, this is incredible. So you see there, look at the top right corner, right? You got one girl taking a picture of the arts. The other girl is like, Which, that's, that's cool arts, but how about me plus the arts, right? So she goes here, she, she bends that. Oh, there it goes. There it goes. It's just Domino's effect, knocking down everything, you know, making that the most expensive selfie ever taken in you know, human history. She causes $200,000 worth of damage at a big art exhibit in L.A. That's crazy, right? Imagine if that was you. 
Imagine if you went to a museum and because of you being distracted by your phone, you're trying to take a selfie. This is your fault. Like this is clearly on you. There's video footage to prove that it was on you, that you did it. No one else was at fault. It's on you. And now you got to pay $200,000. And guess what? You work at Starbucks. You do not have that money. You know, how would you feel if you work at Starbucks? God bless you. My wife loves you guys. Okay. How would you feel if you're there and you're like, you're caught you are guilty. There's video evidence. You knocked something down because you were being dumb and now you're guilty and you don't have the money to pay it. So now you got to go to jail for like 10 years to, 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 as, as your punishment. Imagine if somebody saw the video, came to the courthouse like, hey, that person, that guilty person who totally did it, I'm going to pay for them. I got $200,000 laying around. You know what? I'm just going to, here we go. They're free. Can you guys let them go? Okay, cool. We good? That's paid? They could go free? Cool, good. All right, cool. How would you feel if somebody would do that for you? Imagine the gratitude. Like, you know that there's a debt that you cannot pay for something really stupid that you really, really did. You know, and now somebody's saying, I got it. I'm going to pay that for them. You would feel grateful, wouldn't you? You would feel joy, wouldn't you? Now check it out. Next time you go to a museum, how then would you live? <laughs> you know, next time you were in a museum, how would you walk around now when you, when you went to a museum? What, what would you do? Would you bring a phone? You probably wouldn't bring your phone anymore, right? You'd probably keep that thing in a car just so you don't risk it. You got away with it once. You really messed up and somebody really bailed you out. Now, next time you go to a museum, you're going to be at your best behavior because you know you dodged the bullets. You escaped punishment because somebody was gracious enough to pay your debts. Actually, matter of fact, you might not even go to museums anymore. Like, nope, last time I went there, got in trouble, never doing that again. You know, like, it would change the way that you live. And I believe that holiness is a little bit of that awareness. Of like, man, God has paid a great price for my life. I was a sinner in need of grace, and God gave it to me. Therefore, this can change the way that I live. Not in a judgmental type of way. Jesus is not your parole officer making sure that you're doing, you know. Like, no, he's giving you the Holy Spirit to help you live a life free now. That you can live in gratitude and freeness. This is what holiness is all about. So when I pray, Holy Spirit, help me with holiness. This is what I'm thinking. I want to be free from shame, from guilt, from regrets. And I want to live in, in gratitude and thankfulness of the life that Jesus has given me now, how he rescued me. Amen? This is what I mean. So back to the prayer. Holy Spirit, help me with holiness. Can we say that together? Holy Spirit, say it with me. One, two, three. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. Help, me help me with holiness. holiness. Next one up, E. Holy Spirit, help me with everything. <laughs> everything. You guys think I'm silly. There's a Bible verse for that. Philippians 4, verse 6. Check it out. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about what? Everything. everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all that He has done. Holy Spirit, help me with everything. This is my fill in the blank. Holy Spirit, help me with literally anything and everything. Okay? I looked up that word everything in Greek. Guess what it means? 
everything. Okay? This is what it means. So meaning, Holy Spirit, help me with my family. Holy Spirit, help me with the toddler that we're potty training right now. Holy Spirit, help me. My cat's sick. Holy Spirit, help me. My car trouble. Holy Spirit, help me. My house falling apart. Holy Spirit, help me. My job is going crazy. Holy Spirit, help me. These relationships are crazy. Holy Spirit, help me. Like everything, like whatever it is, if it matters to you, it matters to God. You can pray, Holy Spirit, help me with everything. It counts. If it matters to you, it matters to God. And you can take it to him. Say, Holy Spirit, help me with everything. And the Holy Spirit, your helper, he's faithful. He's with you forever. He will help you no matter how big or how small. I love that fill in the blank because, man, I use it a lot. Holy Spirit, help me. There's this girl I really like her. She doesn't like me. How can you help me? And yes, he can. The girl likes me now. She's having my second baby. Yes. Next one. Can you guys guess what the next one is? The letter is L. Can you guys help me? Holy Spirit, help me with love. Look at all these romantic people. Yes, Holy Spirit, help me to love. Help me to love. Love sounds great, but love could be very difficult. Right? There's a verse that I want to throw up for that is, I believe, Mark chapter 12. This is Jesus, you know, talking about the greatest commandment, you know. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. This is the first commandment. The second is like this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. So Holy Spirit, help me to love God. Amen. Help me to love God for real. But then help me to love my neighbor. It's easy to love the neighbors that we love. It's easy to love the neighbors that we like. It's hard to love our neighbors that we don't. It's hard to love our neighbors that are different than us. It's hard to love the neighbors that think differently than us. It's hard to love our neighbors that voted differently than us. It's hard to love our neighbors who we don't feel like they could be our neighbors at all. It's hard to love those neighbors that make us want to move out of the neighborhood. Holy Spirit, help me to love them. Holy Spirit, help me to love the people that I see on the news going through issues. And so quickly, we turn our brains from love into politics. Help me to love those people. Help me not go there. Help me to see them as human beings who need help, just like I need help. Holy Spirit, help me. Teach me to love. And also, Holy Spirit, help me to love myself. Help me to love. This is hard. Because we are the most critical about us than anyone else. We know our weaknesses. We see our sin. We know what's deep down inside, and we need the Holy Spirit to help us love ourselves because it gets very, very hard. So I pray this. Holy Spirit, help me to love. Help me to love you. Help me to love others. And help me to love myself. Can we pray that right now? Holy Spirit, help me to love. Last one, P. Can you guys guess what P is? Peace, patience, perseverance. Pray! Holy Spirit, help me to pray. And this is why I end with this, because first off, it's a little bit of cheating, because by the time you get to P, you already prayed three times. And I was like, yes, job well done. But also, help me to pray, because this should not just be something that you do every once in a while. Prayer should be uh, it should be part of your culture. It should be part of your habit. This, this should be your go-to. And a lot of times, prayer is a last resort. 
prayer is like when everything has gone bad, now you pray. But the truth is, it should always be ongoing. Pray without ceasing a continuous thing because prayer, it's about relationship. Prayer is about communication. A lot of times we complain first and then we pray. A lot of times we, we talk about it with other people before we pray. A lot of times we've, we plan before we pray. But the truth is, we, we probably pray in the front end. Things may, might go a little bit smoother or at least we have a little bit more peace in the process. Prayer should be our go-to. We want to pray this. I'm, I'm asking the Holy Spirit to help me keep this uh, ongoing habit in my life. That this is not just a one-off, but it's something that happens daily. Time after time, there's a verse, check it out, Romans 8. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weakness. The helper helps in our weakness. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercessions for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So we have this Holy Spirit who's our helper and he helps us with our weaknesses because he knows that we don't know how to pray as we should, but he's there to help. And he actually knows what we need more than we do. He knows our hearts. He knows the mind of the will of God and he makes intercession for us through us sometimes with groanings that we can even express like what was that? That was the Holy Spirit praying through you. So when I say, Holy Spirit, help me to pray, I'm inviting him to pray through me. I'm inviting him to make this prayer thing of reality, not just a one-off something, because I know that he knows me better than I know myself, and then I need him. I need the Holy Spirit. I need a helper. So the Holy Spirit, help me to pray is an act of surrender, saying, I need you. Even in talking to you, I need you to help me with that. And guess what? He does. Can we say, everybody say it with me. Holy Spirit, help me to pray. In closing now, when the worship team, you can come on up. Um, the Holy Spirit is our helper. He's God with us forever. He's with you today. He'll be with you tomorrow. And he's there to help you. This is God inviting himself into your life. Our God is not just a distant figure up in the sky that feels kind of imaginary. He's not just there. Our God was not just a man who lived and died and rose again. Like our, our, our God is alive and he has given us his spirit to be with us forever. So the question that I want you to think about, the question that I want to, for you to, to get in your heart is this. How can the Holy Spirit help you today? What are you going through? I know in this room, their lives right now, they could use a little bit of help. How can the Holy Spirit help you? How can he meet you today? No matter what's going on, no matter what your situation is, no matter what <laughs> disaster you may have caused because of your foolishness, you know, like that poor girl, no matter what situation you're in, nothing is too big, nothing is too difficult, nothing is too crazy for God. Nothing is too crazy for this Holy Spirit. He is not fickle. He is not weak. He's not going to just up and leave you just because, because you 
said something wrong. No, he's with you through thick and thin. He's the Holy Spirit. He's the helper. And he's here right now. And he's available to help you. So how can he help you today? What do you need? Where are you? Let him meet you there. I want to invite us to stand. And we're going to go into a time of worship. You can take communion in, 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 in all sides, in all corners of the room. After a while, Tom is going to come up after a few songs, and he's going to lead you in time of ministry. And I encourage you to receive prayer. There's going to be people here who are willing to pray for you. Guess what? The Holy Spirit is with them. <laughs> and they can pray through the Holy Spirit for you to help you as well. But the question today is, how can the Holy Spirit help you? He is our helper. He's a gift from God. Jesus says it's better that he can go away so he can send the Holy Spirit to be with you. That's good news for us today. Amen? Amen. Holy Spirit, we welcome your presence. We thank you for who you are. We thank you that you are our helper. So I say, help us today. We need you. In your name we pray. Amen.